We're going to continue our series on um, discipleship, what it is to be, ha have a discipled life. I've already been asked a few times, hey, Pastor Eric, you're going to be quick today because there's a game. <laughs> and I've answered the same way my first grade teacher answered. Every time you ask me, it's another minute. <laughs> so, so I'm going to scrap the sermon and we're just going to analyze from David and Goliath. We're going to analyze the Eagles and the, you know, uh, in the 49ers game. No, we're, well, the last two weeks, Stephen has talked to us um, and it was almost like one large sermon, if you would. Right. It was almost like a two part, you know, series. The first week, he says it was about entering the kingdom today. Um, is the kingdom really real? And, and just how skeptical people are like, oh, you can really live this life. And for most of us, maybe we don't experience that. And then last week, um, he talked about what it is to be a student of teacher Jesus, to be, remember, he talked about maybe even being an intern. Do you think you're, of yourself as somebody in that learning? And, and just how information alone isn't enough. And if I was to sum up the last two weeks with the question, which I, I really love and which we're going to continue today, is can we become genuinely changed people in Christ? Can, can that, is it something we just believe or can you actually become somebody who's, who's genuinely changed um, and that it's easy to follow Jesus, not what do I do now? And so then he, uh, we've talked about spiritual practices and then um, when Steve and I were talking about the sermon before, he would say, I want to give homework. And I'm like, nah, I don't know about the word homework. That has a very scarring effect over my eight-year-old soul. So I came up with extra credit. And I'm like, I like that. I like extra credit. Um, it's like dessert. You get more, right? And so, um, and so we're going to be talking. We're going to continue as we continue. What, it, what does it mean to follow as a disciple, to be an intern? Can we live a life? What are the next steps? And, and the first thing I want to do is I want to start off. I've maybe I've talked about this before. Uh, I want to give us a picture of this. And it's the difference between, it's a really simple principles, the difference between what they call a bonded set and a centered set. And I know many of you probably have heard this thing, but just for all of us to be on the same page. And a bonded set, bonded sets are simple. It's that you're in or you're out, right? So for instance, if you came to my house at Christmas, you would be part of my family, you, you, you'd share a family thing. You would never be part of my family, right? But it would, but to the point is that you're either in my family or you're out of it. So you'd come, boy, I was really disappointed. I didn't get any presents at Christmas. I'm like, yeah, dude, you just showed up. You know, you just, you're not part of the family. We didn't buy for you, you, right? My mother didn't spend extravagantly on you, which is what my mom does, right? But... A centered set is almost like we were talking about this morning. It's almost like being a, a fan of a sports team. Anybody can be the fan of the sports team. Some people are stupid fans about a sports team, right? It's like they even say we, they, they start using like, you know, they start using language that's like, do you work for the Golden State Warriors? Like, well, sort of. I mean, right? We will, like, they'll travel to different cities to actually see them play, right? Or 
And, and so the difference between a bonded set is like, right, and it's, it's important. If you, go to, if you go to UC Berkeley, you walk on the campus, you go to another college, you're not part of that bonded set. But a centered set says, hey, look, you measure the connectedness to the direction facing, right, and, and the proximity. And so there's a lot more to this, and, and, um, but the idea is that, like when I was at City Team, and I've told this story, we had guys who'd come to Christ, but their behaviors were way over here, but they turned and they faced and they started heading towards Jesus, right? But I know people that don't have anything to do with God, but if I look at their lives, they're facing away from him, and I'm like, they're awesome people. Right? I, I love them. So like, I, they're, they're fantastic. They have, I have a, um, you know, how they live their life. You could say if this was a faith-based and Jesus was the center, you would say, yes, a lot of their life mimics Christ, but they're facing away from him. And so the reason why I bring this up, because in discipleship, this is the issue. Many of us think, have been told that when you come to Christ, you just enter in. Are you in the club? Did you accept Jesus? Yeah, I was seven years old. I prayed, accepted. Fantastic. You're in the club. And after that, you go, okay, I got it on autopilot. I'll go live my life. And then when life comes up, that bonded set does not work very well. But the centered set says this, great, you became a Christian. There's always more. We're always heading towards the center. And so the question is, where would you put yourself on that centered set? And it's okay to say, you know, I, I'm not really, in fact, not only do I not feel very far away, I'm not, I don't steal too much, you know, I, you know, I only yell occasionally. Um, but the idea is that are you facing towards or away from Jesus? So you don't have to pretend. That's okay, but where would you place yourself? Even Jesus, in describing his time on earth, he would say there was the, right, there was the 12, there was the 72 that he sent out, there was the 120, there were the crowds, there were people all over that map. And so that's why he never said, when he was challenged, they were like, hey, are you in or you're out? Jesus was like, no, you don't understand. It's always proximity. So he would say things like this to people that questioned him. Jesus would say, you're not far from the kingdom of God. You're turning and facing in the right direction. The thief on the cross today, Jesus, remember me. Remember me? Boom. He just turned. He goes, today you'll be with me in paradise. And so one sense, it's really simple to turn. And at the same time, it's really complex because you can, there's always more. And so in this series, what we're really trying to do is to say, where are you? And what is your plan? And it's okay to say, you know, have that hard question. If you're, if you're in a family, if you have friends, you're married, this would be a great conversation to have. Where am I on that scale? Because many times in our lives, we can say, boy, when I was at this time in my life, I felt like I was here and I was in these relationships and I was walking towards God. And then we had children, those dang children. And now I feel like I'm way over here and I don't, you know, I become distracted. I got involved in my career and all of a sudden I realized that I'm out here. So that's why we want to talk about what are the things that we can do that will actually make a practical difference in connecting us and helping us walk closer on a consistent basis to the father. And when we do that, 
all of a sudden we start to experience God in a different way. And so this morning we want to... Um, uh, we want to talk. Um, we want to talk about a verse from the book of Mark. So in Mark twelve, Jesus is talking to the religious leaders, to the good Jewish leaders of the time, and we, we these were these weren't bad people. We like thousands of years later, like yeah, they didn't know. It's easy to beat up on the Pharisees and Sadducees, but I, I think. What they knew, what they were trying to do, they, were, they weren't these terrible people. And it says, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Notice that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked him, Jesus, of all the commandments, which is most important? Jesus answered, the most important one is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all your mind, and with all of your strength. And then he said, the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Does that sound familiar? Have you heard this? This is, this is the mission statement of CLC, right? To love God with all of your heart, to love others, and to serve the world. What we add to it is what the last words of Jesus. Go into the world, make disciples. So those three things sum us up. And this is what Jesus said. So the next four weeks, we're going to break up our discipleship journey into these four descriptive words, if you would. Just these are the buckets, if we can think about sort of having hooks to think about our lives and evaluate them. To love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. So today we're going to start with loving God with all of our mind. Um, now, when Jesus, when the verse I just read, this is actually Jesus is quoting the Old Testament from Deuteronomy 6. And Deuteronomy 6 is a wonderful chapter. Deuteronomy is uh, Leviticus, who's the giving of the law. As Israel became a nation, you're going to need laws. And Deuteronomy Deuter is the second law. And so in the middle of it, Deuteronomy 6 says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Right? He's quoting it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And then it goes on to say this, These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So you get that picture. It's not just to hear the laws. You better know the law, right? When you think about the laws that we all know just in our country, you can do this, you can't do that, right? You're just, just in driving, what would be the laws that we would understand? But Jesus... But, but Deuteronomy goes someplace where it says, you love the Lord your God, and then it, he starts to go down the road of what it looks like to walk closer, almost as, again, that centered set. You impress them on your children. You write them down. When you get up, when you go to bed, he's encompassing life. These have to be drilled into us in a way that our minds will be full. But if you notice something is that when Jesus quotes this 
in the book of Mark, he adds something to it. And it's what we're talking about this morning. Jesus says, we should love the Lord your God with all of your mind. It's not in Deuteronomy. So you go, wow, Jesus added something. Can he do that? Yeah, he can. He's actually known as the Lord. He's the Lord of God. But I also think that maybe what Jesus is doing here is what is when it, you look at Deuteronomy and it explains these are the things that you should practically be doing. My first thing that I notice is I wonder if what Jesus is doing is actually summing up with loving God with your mind. It's do all those things. Think about them when you're going here. Think about them when you're there. Tell your children to think about them. Have it plastered on your walls. Every, even when you're leaving your house, boom, it's there. Jesus is going, you have to shape your mind so that the Father's voice is the loudest one in your heart. Romans chapter 12 says this. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, Paul says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So the first thing I'd say is this, is we talk about what does it mean to have a discipled mind, to have a mind that we're just, we don't just believe something and put it away, that we're actively shaping the way we think. The first one is spiritually, the, being spiritually minded is our high calling. Your high calling is to be spiritually minded. You see, if you have the faith in the bonded set, you, you actually don't need to be spiritually minded. You just need to agree with a handful of principles, figure out what those behaviors need to be. I've met people in different faiths or even cults, and they go, here's what we believe. It's one, two, and three. Do you ask questions? Nope. No place to ask questions. But for us, it's a center set. We're always moving. There's always more to be asking. If you have a faith that says, I made the decision, I'm good, then we actually put our mind on the shelf, if you would, because we don't have anything else to ask. I, I check the boxes, right? I'm good. Am I good? We go, okay, great. I'm good. I agree with everything, right? Um, but that's not what God is describing here. There's always more. There's always more to discover. And if you think about it this way, this is what eternity is based on. There's always more to discover about God in heaven. You can have an eternity with him. And there's always more. Can you imagine being someplace for 10,000 years if, there was, if it was just about us? About 1,000 years from now, you'd be like, okay, I've done everything. I'm out. Can, I just, can we just end this? If it was just about hedonism and pleasure, like some people think about heaven, it, it gets old pretty quickly. 10,000 years of doing the same thing. You want to go skiing again? Uh, I've done that. You want to do the ocean? Uh, the ocean thing is ride a pterodactyl. That's yeah, fine. I just did that so many times. You know? but, but you come to an end if it's just about us. But if it's always about God, there's always more to discover. And God is eternal. And because God is as big as he says he is, we always have more to discover about him. And so being spiritually minded, we start here. That carries on into eternity. The questions we ask, we don't get to heaven and magically just know it. We're always even learning in heaven with God because eternity, heaven, it's about being with God forever. 
not just leaving this life or going someplace where we get everything we want. You wouldn't want that. Oh, you'd want it for a couple years, but not for an eternity. But can you imagine being with God for what on earth would be thousands and thousands of years? And then he goes, hey, uh, I haven't told you guys this, but I got something else. And you go, what? You're always describing. You're in relationships. We're always learning. There's always more. It starts now. And the thing about Scripture is that if you're discouraged in your faith, if you're letting our culture define the main things that are going on in our head, letting social media, this is where all of a sudden you can look at what your faith is and what your relationship with God is and say, I don't know if it works. Where is your mind, wherever our minds are focused on, it's easy for that then to become the narrative that shapes us. And this is why God says you have to write it on your heart. You've got to put it everywhere. So you're reminded that God has a, has a different plan, a bigger plan. There's something better that he sees. Things that we don't see in the future yet. The other thing about scripture is this. Not only does it encourage us in that, but it also warns us about going down these roads. I mean, there's many people in the name of God that say things that you go, wow, is that what scripture says? Isn't it amazing that he gives us this, this litmus test? Now, obviously, we could talk about, I could talk about scripture forever, it's my favorite subject. But the fact is, is that it warns us from false teachers. And sometimes people go, you go down this road, this will be great. You just ask God, he gives you anything, you should get a bigger house, a bigger thing. Like, that sounds like the American dream. Oh, it is. You know Jesus was American, right? You know that, right? He was a beard. <laughs> spoke English just like the rest of us. And, um, and, um, but the fact is, is that we see over and over in Scripture that Scripture says, look, this is, this is our authority. Jesus is actually in John 1 called the Word. All Scriptures, 2 Timothy says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correction, training, and righteousness, so the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped. We think, oh, scripture is something that encourage us. You know what it does? It tells us, boom, you're, you're walking to the right a little bit. Get back this way. Remember, uh, I talked about before, repentance isn't about feeling sorry. Repentance is about turning and walking in a different direction. Literally, it's like a physical thing. Repent. Yep, I'm going this way. But that's what Scripture does. It helps us repent, move into God's direction, so we don't wander off the path and find ourselves in a place, and we're left to our own devices. Hebrews 4 says it this way, the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitude of the hearts. Scriptures are primary mean to understanding who, who God is. You want to have a transformed mind, this is the first best place to start. That Scripture will speak into us. How much, if you're like me, do you carry from your family that has told you these are the values you should have? And there's a place where we have to say, I love my family, but this part, this part we got wrong. How do we know? Because you, you got to look at my family. <laughs> He'll tell you like all the things. You got. Like they said, this was important and this wasn't important. And God says, nope, you got to reverse those. Scripture will always give us, will always lead us down uh, the right path. 
If God was going to speak to you today and he was going to come, it is guarantee you he would use a verse in scripture. So if we're not using scripture to transform our minds, it can feel like God is silent. As one of my, one of my African church planting friends used to say, how do you have a relationship with God if you're not listening to him? It's a one-way conversation. And so God wants to speak to us. And this is one of the primary ways he, he does it. Even Jesus, when he was on earth, there's a couple times he did this, and I just would I'd love it. Because understanding scripture to renew our mind isn't just about learning facts about scripture. There's a lot of people that, that know way more about scripture than we do, but don't, again, in that center set, are facing away from God. It's just, it's just a fact set to them. Yeah, this is all data. It's good. They did this. It's not this. It's that, right? And Jesus, at times being questioned, they would say, well, Jesus, how does this work if you're saying, you know, these things? A handful of times, Jesus would look at the, the Pharisees and say, you do not understand the scriptures or the power of God. And I always have loved that expression, that our goal in reading scriptures is to understand it and understand the power of God within it, Right? Or, as I would say, at first we read Scripture to understand, but the goal and how we have a transformed mind is we let Scripture read us. It's, we let it speak to us. You read it, God, what are you trying to tell me? Not, right? Have you ever met somebody, as a pastor, have met these people that use, uses Scripture like a, like a club? I've had parents that use Scripture to get their kids in line. Right? And, and strangely enough, the kids grow up not liking Scripture, right? <laughs> like, you, God told you, you know. Or you ever met somebody you disagree with and they use Scripture to win an argument? Right? It's like, no, no, no. God doesn't, no, no offense to the attorneys here. God doesn't want us to be Christian scriptural attorneys. Right? And this is sometimes the problem in the world right now. We say, why are Christians the way they are? How can we're faced the way we are? Because sometimes people have used scripture to win arguments. And God goes, no, it's about transforming your heart. I'm going to tell you, you guys are wrong. God's word says this. Heathens, right? Bad people, you know? And I mean, how many times have you heard this on, you know, on TV? People saying things and you go, oh my gosh, no, no. No, God didn't. Scripture isn't a, you know, isn't a, isn't a weapon, and that, you know, it's not a weapon for that. It is something that transforms our minds and our hearts, right? And even though it's true, um, it's, um, the, the, the goal of it is, is, to, is to connect us into that deep calling of thinking and having the heart and mind of God. So not only is, is, um, is being spiritual mentally our, our high calling, it's also... It's also a spiritual mind is, is, is a transformative process. You know, Stephen framed our series by asking this, can we become genuinely changed people in Christ naturally and easily? Right? So our high calling is, our high calling is to be changed naturally and easily. And in, in, in um, Colossians 3 says this, since you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is hidden with God. When Jesus was tempted in the beginning of his ministry by Satan, he answered Satan each time with scripture. 
hey, you could have this. Boom, correct it. No, Scripture says this. So it's not just knowing it, but it's knowing the intention of it, knowing the spirit of the law, not just the letter of the law. David said in Psalm 119, if you ever want to have a fun read, Psalm 119 is all about, about loving Scripture. He said, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You find yourself walking off. D.L. Moody said it this way about Scripture. He goes to the Bible. He goes, this book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. And when I was like, I think, 19, that always used to hit me, right? If I start going my own way, all of a sudden I don't want to be near it. So there, but there is really a discipline to do that. And if I think about Scripture, you think about, if you think about what it is, and the power of it, it's the more we know the stories and the narrative of Scripture. It's like having a tool, right? Imagine, if you would, if you were a cook and you didn't have the right tools. Like, hey, we want to make dinner. You're like, I don't know anything. Have a refrigerator? Nope. Oven? Uh-uh. I got one pan. Okay, let's put it on the oven. What's that? You got nothing. And every time we memorize Scripture, every time we do, it's almost like you're adding something, right? You're picking up a microwave. That's not bad. An induction heater. Oh, that's nice. Is every narrative that you come up with, all of a sudden you can go in and you can make a myriad of things. And you know how it is when you, uh, you know, and the thing about, I, I think about this is like my neighbor, he has this really cool older car and, um, and he's like, yeah, the battery's dead. And I looked at him and I'm like, you need a battery charger? <laughs> and he goes, yeah. And he goes, well, I can borrow it from you. I'm like, dude, I got three of them. But this is like, should be our thing as, as people of faith. When crisis has come up or somebody needs something built, young purple people, they're getting married or they're out. They go, look, I got three of these. You know, here's the story from scripture. Here's what God does. We put those together. They are a, they're like a treasure that we come out with. And let me tell you, there's nothing better than having the right power tool for a job. You know, you can hand crank that, right? Or you got a ratchet set with a big 50-gallon air compressor, and you, you know, and just, right? But this is what, this to me is what Scripture's like. Every story, every narrative that you grab and you take, all of a sudden, it, it, um, it adds to, it adds to the, the best things in your life. Becoming spiritually minded is really this. It's going into what is God's story? You see, that our high calling as people walking towards Jesus is always to be connecting our story with God's story. But if you don't know God's story, how do you connect it with him? Being spiritually minded is going, God, are you doing A? Are you doing B? There's a curiosity in it. So let me ask you this. Whose story are you in right now? Is there a biblical narrative that you're in? Are you in... Are you in Joseph's story? See, if you're in Joseph's story and you're just sitting there going, God, why am I on the shelf? Why is this happening to me? That's a pretty terrible place to be. But I'll be saying, wait a minute. What if you're in Joseph's story? You go, oh, then God's going God's to do something amazing. Are you in Peter's story? You're depressed, you know, you went from here to here to here. There's all of these, there's all of these narratives through scripture. And again, if we don't know this, if, if we don't take our time to have to work on being spiritually minded, then sometimes we don't really know the purpose of the season that we're in. 
God has each of us in different seasons. Your family is its own season. And so what season, what's the biblical story that you're in? So when you identify the why of your season, all of a sudden God's plan and purpose and your connection to him becomes very, very different. Well, just in ending our time, let's talk about Stephen. Uh, Stephen also pointed out spiritual disciplines. What are the practices we can do? We're, gonna, we're just going to go over a handful of them. The practices, remember, that the thing that Stephen pointed out is, is that spiritual disciplines are not an end to themselves. So you don't do this and then become, but they are something you do that strengthen these muscles that then become like, almost like a force multiplier. And when you think about some of the things we're going to do, um, these have been things that Christians in different cultures, different pockets of the world, different times, 600 years ago in the middle, you know, in the middle of the African continent or in an outpost in Asian Christians were doing this and they were and they connected with God. I really do. Most of these supersede our even our culture. And there's even others that we can do. So the first thing is like, how do I, how do I continue walking in this area to become spiritually minded? Well, the first one is meditation. Now I know meditation in our culture from the seventies has had this like, you know, new age kind of, you know, like I've had parents complain to me, you're telling my kid to meditate. That's a new age term. I'm like, that is our term. You know, <laughs> this is David, on your word, I meditate day and night and it does not leave me. That's our term. It's meditating on God's word, right? Um, and there's even, I would even say for us, there would be a place of how do you memorize God's word? Sometimes I just, sometimes I just write up for a week, I'll write up a piece of scripture, I'll put it in my pocket and I just carry it around with me. And every time I reach in my pocket, I'm like, oh, and I read it and just have it over and over. Write it on the doorpost of your house. Put it on your mirror. Put it on a sticky note, you know, on your steering wheel. Right? So you can look at that as the airbag inflates. Right? Um, even this week in our home group, somebody's like, oh, there's a great app. That, uh, you know, they use the app called Dwell, and they send it to us. Where you can have, like, you can just sit quietly and listen to God's word. Right? And then start talking about all the different voices that you could do to have that. You could have a deep voice, right? You could have a proper English voice, you know? Do you have anything, you know? Do you have anything in a, you know? But, you, you know, you can, you can order up, literally, you know? It's like, how do you want to listen to God's, to God's word, right? Is there a James Earl Jones, right? Like, I want Darth Vader reading God's word to me, right? So how will you meditate on God's word? Those who put time to meditate on it, how do you meditate as a family, as a couple, as a student that keeps that in front of you? Second thing would be this, physical reminders. In the book of, when God is given the law and he says, remind, put these things, he actually commands them to make tassels to remember God's words. So I'm not saying that we should make tassels, right? I think that era in the 60s is gone, but... What is a physical reminder that you can carry around? A bracelet, I have friends who do rings that remind them that you go, I have physical reminders to be praying, to giving myself to God, to be praying through scripture all the time. Get a physical reminder. You want to be deep, deep in God's word. Um, studying. 
I remember when I was about 21, I just said every, every year, every six to eight months, I'm just going to study one of God's books, just kind of dive into it deeply, figure out the background, figure out why I was doing. And I thought, I would think that, you know, what would happen in 20 or 30 years of really understanding just one book deeply? Like, what would that build? It was almost, again, that library, that, that place of tools when somebody said something, you go, well, wait a minute, that's just like the book of Galatians, right? That you, all of us can do that. But again, this is time. What would you give up this week? You know, uh, would you stop Netflix? Right, you can, you know, would you, would you stop Netflix? Right, to say, hey, look, instead of doing this, every night I'm going to end this way. Every morning I'm going to end this way. Every day after lunch, I'm going to take 20 minutes to do this. It will start to shift you. And one way to do it is to really dig deep and study. And right now with the internet, it's never been easier. Because in the 80s, you had to buy books, and they were big, and they were thick, and they were stupid expensive to really learn. Now there's all, there's all these ways. But to transform our mind, I think probably the most important thing with all of these things, the first three are things we can do individually. But we need intentional relationships. Somebody you meet one-on-one -on -one with. A small group. A home group that you meet and you say we, that we reflect God's word to each other. I don't know how many times in my life I've had somebody say, I've got a verse for you. And I still hold that verse today. I, I won't go over all of them, but I, had, I remember when they said this to me, that it meant something because God will use, this is what he, do, what he does. I had friends 20 and 30 years ago. I remember them being at a place where they're interviewing for new jobs and they had an un unbelievable financial offers. And they said, not going to take it. And we're like, what? They, they give you a car? Are you kidding me? It's like a 25% raise. And they goes, no, no, no. I'm trying to do this, not this. That would be great. And it would require more time. And now that we have children, I'm trying to have a job that has, that fits more like this within my skill set. And so, yeah. And I never forget the impression on me was almost like Jesus looking at Peter saying, get behind me, Satan. Like I was thinking in a worldly way and I had to have a friend correct me and say, no, God's calling me to this. And I'm like, yes, I'm a terrible pastor. Yes. <laughs> right. But we need other people in our lives. And you know what? It doesn't happen by accident. We have to intentionally approach people to say, would you meet with me? I have friends that we just meet literally. I have one friend. We just, we meet every, every day virtually, you know, or every Monday at a certain time. But you have to intentionally go after those, those, those people to learn and understand. There's something that happens. Again, other faiths. Um, you can do it on your own. And you can do Christianity on your own too. But if you really want to grow deep, we need, we need other people in our lives to model this out. And other people need you to model it out for them. Okay, here's your extra credit for this week. Um, read Deuteronomy 6 daily. And then just let it sink in. Marinate and make you go, oh, God, I got to do something. Like, yeah, do that. Um, where would you place yourself on that center set picture? Most importantly, who will you share that with? Who will you share that with somebody this week? 
And if you don't have somebody, you can call me or text me. But I'm not going to put my number up here. Uh, what's the... Another question to ask. This could be a great conversation. What biblical story are you in? Is your family in? Write down some of the major themes in your life and see if they match a character or story in Scripture. It'd be fun to take five or six people. This is the thing you miss about college because you can easily go, I got no, you know, let's get together. It's easy. The proximity was so easy. You can get together and go, hey, look, tell your story, and then we're all going to think together to go over what story you might be in. And lastly, Identify an intentional relationship. Is there an intentional relationship that you might be in? Form your own group. Have an evil plan. Oh, yeah, we're going to do this. And then we're going to take over the board. And then we're going to take over the church. Whatever it is, right? But um, God wants to speak to us. He wants to transform our minds. It's easy to go the way of our culture. And God calls us to be different people. If you feel that anxiety when political things come up, when cultural things come up, we need a strong set of people that doesn't make us overreact, that doesn't make us line up, that God's voice would be the loudest voice within our hearts and within our minds. And it's, it's work to do it. But um, when you make a storehouse, those are the people that usually later on in life that we meet, they go, they have something to say. And God wants to work in our lives in such a way that, you know, that he transforms our minds, that we are people that have something to say, not about us, not about the world, but about pointing other people towards him. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your kindness to us. Thank you that you've given us your word. And there's so much to transform in our mind. But God, might we just start there? Would you motivate us to know your word? Would you bring it to life? Would you bring the right people into our lives to speak to it? Would you give us courage to have this conversation uh, with our spouses, if we're married, with the closest people in our life, even if it's a little uncomfortable to bring it up? Would you give us that courage? And then, um, Father, would you let your word sink into our hearts to correct us so we would be so close to you? Uh, we love you, Father. Thank you for your kindness to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.